Hi everyone, welcome back to the Yugan in General Medicine Ambulatory Podcast. Today we will cover hyperlipidemia. In this topic, we will discuss the screening age, the importance of primary prevention, and the use of the ASCBD risk estimator as a tool to guide our management. First, let's define ASCBD. ACVD corresponds to atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, which includes all of the patients with acute coronary syndrome, those with a history of myocardial infarction, stable or unstable angina, or other type of arterial revascularization. ACVD also includes the patients who have a history of stroke, TIA, peripheral arterial disease, and aortic aneurysm. Now, who do we screen? The current guidelines recommend screening patients aged 20 or older who are not already on lipid-lowering therapy. You can screen with either a fasting or a non-fasting lipid panel. For patients with hypertriglyceridemia, it's better to screen with a fasting panel. In patients aged 20 to 39 years old without a family history, premature ASCVD, familial hypercholesterolemia, or diabetes, you can screen every five years. Primary prevention of ASCVD is considering patients who do not have any known cardiovascular disease. And to calculate the patient's 10-year risk of a cardiovascular event, you can use the tool called the ASCVD Risk Estimator. This tool can be applied to patients ranging from 40 to 75 years old, and it will help you guide the use of statins based on their 10-year risk of cardiovascular events. The main factors that you need are the age of the patient, history of diabetes, the sex, tobacco history, the cholesterol and the HDL measurements, systolic blood pressure, and the race of the patient. Now, according to the 2018 ACC AHA Cholesterol Clinical Practice Guidelines, statin therapy is indicated as primary prevention in the following situations. I am going to start with the two scenarios when you can start a statin independently of the ASCVD risk calculation. First, it's going to be all of the patients with severe primary hypercholesterolemia who have an LDL of more than 190 milligrams per deciliter. These patients should be automatically started on high-intensity statin therapy. Other scenario are patients 40 to 75 years old with a history of diabetes, regardless of the 10-year ACVD, and these patients should be started on moderate-intensity statin. Now, I am going to refer to the risk groups. First, let's start with the borderline risk group of patients. These are the patients 40 to 75 who do not carry a history of diabetes and whom calculated ACVD risk falls between 5% to 7.5%. In this patient, you should consider some risk-enhancing factors to determine the decision if you need to start statin therapy. We also have the intermediate risk group of patients, also 40 to 75 years of age without history of diabetes, LDL less than 190, and whose 10-year ASCVD risk falls between 7.5 and less than 20%. With these two categories, borderline risk group and intermediate risk group, you should have a conversation with your patient, again, about the risk-enhancing factors. What do I mean by risk-enhancing factors? 
risk-enhancing factors are certain clinical conditions that will put the patient on a higher risk independently of the calculator. Risk-enhancing factors, for example, include a family history of premature ASCVD, persistently elevated LDL levels equally or more than 160 mg per deciliter, metabolic syndrome, CKD, history of preeclampsia, or premature menopause, chronic inflammatory disorders like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, or HIV. Also, high-risk ethnic groups, South Asian. Another factor is persistent elevations of triglycerides equal or above 175 mg per deciliter. And if measured in selected individuals, the apolipoprotein B more than 130, high-sensitive CRP protein more than 2 mg per liter, um, among others. Risk-enhancing factors may even favor statin therapy in patients at a 10-year risk of only 5 to 7.5% which, like I mentioned before, are the patients classified as borderline risk. If the patient has any of these factors, and after shared decision-making, if the patient prefers to start a statin therapy, the recommendation is to begin moderate-intensity statin. Now, there is a category of patients in whom the decision about statin therapy remains uncertain. And this is when we can consider measuring the coronary artery calcium score. If the coronary artery calcium score is zero, treatment with statin therapy may be withheld or delayed, except in the case of patients who are cigarette smokers, have diabetes, or strong family of premature ACD. A coronary artery calcium score of 1 to 99 favors statin therapy, especially in those equally or more than 55 years of age. For any patient, if the coronary artery calcium score is equal or more than 100 agatstone units or the patient falls above the 75th percentile, statin therapy is usually indicated after a clinician patient risk discussion. Once you start statin therapy, you can repeat the lipid panel in the next 4 to 12 weeks after starting initiation or any dose adjustment. And after that, you can consider repeating every 3 to 12 months as needed. After starting statin therapy, you need to consider adding non-statin drug therapy to patients who are at very high risk and to continue to have elevated LDL above 70 mg per deciliter, despite being on maximal statin doses. The next therapy that you can use is the addition of acetimibe. Especially in patients, LDL remains above 100 mg per deciliter. If acetimibe does not adequately lower the LDL to less than 70 mg per deciliter, this is when you can consider a PCSK9 inhibitor. But remember, patients who are being considered for PCSK9 inhibitor therapy should already be on maximally tolerated statin therapy and acetimibe, unless for other medical reasons they do not tolerate this therapy. I briefly want to mention the REDUCED trial, which was published in 2019, which showed patients on a statin who have elevated triglyceride levels despite the use of statin can reduce the risk of ischemic events by the addition of 2 grams of icosapent ethyl twice daily. Triglyceride-lowering therapies also include fibrates, and this has been shown to reduce the risk of major vascular events, but not to the same degree as the icosapent ethyl. 
Remember, this is a type of marine-derived omega-3 fatty acid that works to reduce the hepatic production of triglycerides and very low-density lipoproteins. Additionally, equally important recommendations that we should advise to our patients includes consuming a healthy diet with emphasis in the intake of vegetables, fruits, nuts, whole grain, lean vegetables, animal protein, fish, reduced trans fats, and processed red meats. Other recommendations include at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity or 75 minutes per week of vigorous intensity physical activity. Very important to counsel on tobacco sensation and on patients with obesity and overweight, we can refer to a structured weight management program. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Follow us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google.